support, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. Followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. Market Report, week commencing 16th of September 2019. I'll start this week with a special mention to one of our key and avid listeners, Cyril Adams. I appreciate very much the tweet put out by Adams and Howling of Cyril listening to our podcast. So, Matthew, Christopher, thank you very much and uh, good morning, Cyril. Right, grain market is pretty dull old stuff. The markets have improved a bit because of the demand for boats, feed barley, You'll make 113x. I think it is going to stay in that sort of price range. People have committed to selling cargoes before the Brexit deadline, and they are hungry for that grain, and farmers aren't quite so in mind to sell. Consequently, um, it could mean that the people who've sold it have have got themselves in a slight muddle or they're going to be chasing for the grain uh, in the next few weeks. A lot depends on the farmer realising that if there is a deadline the 31st of October, then that's the end of the export opportunity. But I think their their line of thought is, we've just finished harvest, we've got lots to do, I'll sell it in November. And there'll be a different dynamic by then, possibly. Although, as we all know, uh, the political situation is such, um, with Boris fibbing to the Queen now, apparently, we've got um, the chance of an extension going to January, which would be marvellous for exports, and therefore probably prices will remain firm because of that and the greater opportunity to continue exporting. Price of feed wheat spot um, has come up to 125. There are people chasing wheat again to fill boats. I see the price for November at the moment around about 127. So there's actually not a lot of point in keeping hold of it if you are paying a big overdraft. It makes sense for farmers from a workload perspective to load out during November. So let's see how it goes. People this year are waiting to drill because they're going to save money on spraying. Uh, And at the moment, the long-term prospects of actual planting into some moisture seem pretty remote because there isn't any rain on the forecast and there's lots of heat, which is lovely for people who like going brown but not very good for farmers. Uh, Let's talk about something really miserable, which is malting barley. There are several malting barley cargoes sold from the UK, most of which are coming from the south of England. If we get the extension I've mentioned previously on Brexit, we will have a chance to continue exporting. Our product is liked on the continent. It has the right nitrogen levels. It's a good quality sample, and therefore it would be really good news if we could keep doing that. There is a big surplus of malting barley. Um, More than enough is the phrase, which means too much, which means that the buyer is going to be in control all the way through. A little bit of extra export will just make a bit more focus come into the buyer's mind to say, maybe I should pay a bit more money. So at this point, it is not much fun trying to fix a price for malting barley. And if your expectations are anything much above 130 then good luck with that one that's about it for this week i think i'm gonna i'm gonna surprise uh, ian who's sitting next to me waiting for the other bit we're going to do later so i'm going to hand it to him and say what's happening on rape ian thanks andrew um rapeseed where do i start so if i'll start with the old so we've seen we've seen a bit of firmness in the rapeseed motif futures 
but got to say, unfortunately, it's been countered by a strong pound. So, unfortunately, we haven't seen any of the benefit in our physical rapeseed values. We're trading around about the low 330s, probably today's value 333. I've got to say, I still remain bullish to it, and I keep beating the drum, but I don't see it going down. We don't face the same, unlike the sort of cereals, grains, we don't face the same risks about... Um, an export market we we will be an importer this year but it is currency currency is our key determinant of this market so how do you trade that it's a, it's a very difficult market if you've got a very strong opinion that you think the pound is going to firm then i think you should flog your rapeseed if you think the pound is going to dump and you, you're a parity man then run it the other alternative is to take the risk out of it because my belief is rightly or wrongly is that i think the mati futures will continue to climb is 400 euros a target, hopefully, possibly. But yeah, to flog your rapeseed and, and look to buy some um, Mativ call options, which I think we spoke about a couple of uh, episodes ago. So yeah, all, all in all, friendly. Um, nice to have a bit of bullish news still. New crop, I've got to say, I, I was a fortnight ago, and this is a parochial view, I was nervous. It didn't. You could see rapeseed was barely barely coming we've had a couple of good rains and and it's now up and away flea beetle stories are quieter although there's still time for them to to rear the head but yeah again a bullish view on on you still okay that's your market report have a great week's trading thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours hey this is an advertising space Reach hundreds of leaders of agriculture, mostly in Norfolk, by advertising here. It's surprisingly good value. If you're interested in finding out how much, email us, hello at tinshedproductions.co.uk. Much, much cheaper than any local newspapers and straight into the ears of your potential customers. And now it's time for Farm Chat. Right, this week you've got the pleasures of Ian and Andrew having a, a harvest roundup. Uh, before we get into that, I'm going to have a little chat about malting barley under the under the headline of our kind of education series. There's some aspects of the malting barley trade that I think need highlighting. And although the, 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 the key issues or questions that, that farmers like answered like, why are you rejecting my 1.79 nitrogen concerto? Uh, for for the distilling job when it's perfectly good barley and it's dry and it's been cut in lovely conditions you know you're a thieving merchant questions about the usage and why it isn't usable as distilling barley need to be answered by a molster so sometime upcoming in the in the weeks ahead we will have a molster in here and i'll ask those specific questions about nitrogen levels about screening levels about skinning and all of the reasons that that create the the, the havoc and the misery because uh, it might as well come from the horse's mouth and i might as well give they might as well give their explanation as opposed to me being the person in between the two of you trying to tell you why you've been rejected in saying that you know we have had a harvest of relatively low rejection rates there's been there's obviously issues to come with some of the pre-german splits that are there that the storekeeper's nightmare but it's something that, that that when it boils down to the basic spec of malting barley why can't you use mine the molson needs to tell you so <clears throat> let's let's just kick into that the most important aspect of malting barley is the germination of the seed 
the germination has to be 98% because you are effectively putting millions of little starch particles into a big container and you're sticking water into it. And you need those little starch particles, each barley seed, to germinate at the same moment and you need them to turn from that starch to sugar at the same moment and you need nearly all of that entire bulk to be doing the same thing at the same time. If the germination's already gone, the plant has already gone through the process of turning starch to sugar and has effectively died and it becomes an admix, it becomes a dust, it becomes something that's useless in the bulk and makes it cloudy, misty or non-functional for the next bit of the process. So you have to have a steep full of, if you like, pure sugar parcels that all do the same thing at the same time. So the germination at 98 is really critical for that part of the process. So that's the first step. We all know that, and that's why we all get so paranoid about getting it cut quickly and making sure you save the germ. The same applies to milling wheat in that you're, you're in that case, saving the starch. So you cut it early before the process of the plant thinking it's it's got the opportunity to grow again. The alpha amylase moment when it turns from starch to sugar. In milling wheat, you cut it so it remains as starch. Nitrogen levels for malting barley, we'll talk to the molster. Moisture levels, mm, I could have an opinion on that. I think I'll let the molster tell you the real story, but but bluntly, if the barley is dry, equal, mo- mo- equal moisture content across the whole of the bulk, and you put mo- moisture in there to make the stuff to start to grow, the individual seeds, if they're all the same moisture, will react exactly the same, and that's a critical issue. All of the steep needs to react exactly the same, because I've many times heard farmers say, well... My, my stuff is wet, you're giving me a drying charge, and yet you're going to stick it in water anyway. Yeah, well, that was my farmer voice, sorry about that. <laughs> but it is the reality is you, you're putting a whole lot of different types of moisture in at the same time, and therefore the little seed is a little bit confused and works at a different pace. Screenings, well, that's kind of obvious, you know. A screening is something that hasn't got any starch in it. Again, the molster will talk you through that. How come some years he'll take really thin stuff? Uh, the answer to that is because it's a year when there isn't much barley around, he'll use anything. Um, but screenings, the more plump the grain the more starch there is the more product there is to do something with so that's an obvious one and you have less extraction from a thin grain skinning we'll ask the molster um obvious things like we're talking about you know reasons that you can get rejected reasons that people don't like the stuff you're bringing in you have something that passes all the tests but uh, it's got a smell to it it's got something that's you know stored in the in the shed or something that's that's affected it that smell taints the taste of what happens next if it smells it's out admixture well yeah a whole load of you know weed seeds and stuff in there and then you've got you've got other issues you know which which then become involved with the, with the storage side of things you know your, your, your mycotoxins and, and how the grain has been kept since harvest and and those issues are more the storekeepers worry which is why most farmers don't suffer from that because they've got the stuff moved at harvest time but the, the, the bit I really want to touch on from an, from a understanding perspective for farmers is you know malting barley trading is described by most of the grain trade as the dark arts in the sense that there's a million reasons why it could be rejected and and you know you have to really either know the uh, the, the the buyer exceptionally well or bribe him or something in order to get your, your barley delivered and there's a lot of misunderstanding about the dynamics of it there are lots of, of subjective reasons for rejection and once someone gets it in their head that a bulk is wrong, it gets very difficult to persuade them otherwise or to improve that bulk. But it really boils down to 
consistency of delivering stuff that's reliable year after year. If you want to make a quick buck, I'm sure you can shove something dodgy on the bottom of the lorry a few times and get it into a molster and make money and be really pleased with yourself. But eventually, you know, that that product actually goes through a process. And if at the end of the process, every time the molster has a, an adverse reaction with the product they're supplying to, to their consumer, it doesn't take too long to work out that every time we have deliveries from that person, it doesn't seem to work. It's a relationship thing, isn't it, clearly? I mean, you produce the goods every year, which we try to pride ourselves on as storekeepers. A good, very good homogenous bulk, and, and we, we're proud of that. It's, in, it's integrity. It's yeah. that boils down to, there, there are farmers who we know, have known, um, who put dodgy things on the bottom of the lorries, and we avoid them. Hmm. Which, but it's the only way, because, because it's going to go into my bulk, which is going to go somewhere else. You know, go, going back in the day, I've had people way back in time who swept up their barn, and it included the, 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 the split seed that was treated on the side. Oh, that'll do, that'll go on there, boy. So in it goes, and, and you know, you don't find it, but every now and again you do find it. How many times has it happened you don't find it? It's, it's frightening what you could, if you had that mentality, get away with it. Um, but but the, the, the biggest thing I have with malting barley is, there's a, a slight misunderstanding, that the old Norfolk, you know, if you think it's fit, go on holiday for a week, is not actually the right way to go. I know that's, that's controversial. People will say, oh, yeah, you shouldn't say that because I'll now cut it and there'll be awns everywhere and it won't be fit and it'll be difficult to process. But the reality is that the, the, the most precious issue, the germination, has to be preserved. And therefore, yes, your combine will tell you whether it's actually within a spit of being fit or not, but you've mm. got to do it at your earliest opportunity with the weather forecast in mind. But that statement was prime for this year, wasn't it, Andrew? I mean, the spring barleys especially, the ones who nailed it early were home and dry, should I say, a nice sample. And the the crops cut a week later, even as small a window as that, were, were struggling. Well, they're the ones we're worried about, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, some of them, we've been delivering barleys, and, and thankfully they're going in at the moment. Mm. But come February, March, I don't think all of it will. I think they'll it will have died or given up completely the ghost by the time it gets there. Well, the, the winter barley as well, people, there was a weekend when a number of farmers concluded to wait. We'll wait till Monday. The weather forecast looks okay. We'll leave it. And there were a number of other, you know, Jeff, poor fleet last week, he went and he said exactly that. He said, well, other people were waiting. We went for it. We got 500 acres cleared or something or 300, 500 tonnes cleared over that weekend on the winter barley. Absolutely right. Kept him on the front foot for the whole harvest, really, yeah. didn't it? That was the important that, that, point. Yeah, so he wasn't... And what happened was people didn't quite get the weather to get the winter barley finished. So when it came to the spring barley just about being fit, they were still cutting winter barley. And, and that is... It, the mentality has to be, I need to get this stuff. I appreciate if people are sharing a combine, somebody always gets it first. But, but between the group of you, you've got to have a, a knowledge that, do you know what? That stuff's going to be cut damp if we go for it early. But if we start now at that moisture and we work through the group, we'll share that moisture claim amongst the group of us. Exactly, that's the thing, but not to be frightened of a moisture claim. Moisture claims against quality. I know it's frustration we have. Moisture claims is, just, is, 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 is always perceived as the farmer being ripped off by somebody. And, and that really frustrates me because in the end, the, the most critical issue is the germination. And the most critical issue is preserving that little starch parcel. Keep the quality. Get it. Get it, get it, get it. And, and oh, he's just saying that's so we make money out of the dryer. Absolute rubbish. 
the biggest misery for me is not having enough malting barley to supply the people who do these fabulous contracts for. And I think that the level of mistrust between merchant and farmer is, is such, if you all owned dryers and you were able to just cut it at the perfect moment and get it into perfect condition and use a screening unit and then deliver the perfect goods, none of this would occur um, because we wouldn't be the person saying, oh, by the way, this is your this is your moisture content, this is your nitrogen content, this is your screening content. You haven't got, no, you haven't got a clue what it is. You've, you've done everything you can, but we're the people who have had to invest in the kit to tell you what you're selling. And, and, so, and then we're criticised for telling you that there's a problem with it. It's, it, it, it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm sounding frustrated and a bitter old git as usual, but the, the reality is that, that there is a, a mismatch there and there's a misunderstanding there but the most important thing is preserving the price and preserving the quality of that thing, especially if you've got a very good forward price contract. Which leads me on to, um, you know, largely delivery to Molster, you know, the, whatever subjective reason is being given for rejection. Those rejections are generally fair. There, there actually is something, nobody rejects something that absolutely isn't rejectable it doesn't happen it doesn't happen you've everyone's like oh is your moisture meter right it's like yes yeah, yeah it's calibrated every oh, yeah. week our twenty three thousand pound moisture meter versus your 600 pound one that's 14 years old yeah we know the one we're bound to be wrong but we'll there is there is a stigma attached to the trade and whether it's a historic thing or it's come through generations it is frustrating because it really doesn't happen just go back to the a key issue if it's at a maltings and they're testing it at the maltings, it is not in their interest to be messing around with their intake staff to, to keep calling for barley to fill their steep. They want it there, they want it to work, they want it to go in. That you have to take as a, as a, as a do, matter yeah, of course. Yeah. But there are issues with... Um, I have an issue with... Last year, we had several farmers failing to produce enough tonnes to meet their contract. And last year, 2018 harvest, um, the market had gone through the roof after harvest. So there was contracts at £140 a tonne, forward contracts, and there was a market at £180 a tonne. Mm. And if they were short, they're due to pay £40 a tonne default. Mm. And people were defaulted. They were, yeah. Which was is, a real problem last year. Which is 100% fair. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a much smaller crop. There were problems. It was screening. It was drought stress, wasn't it? And it was it was a horrible year for it. Yeah, but people committed to a price that if they had a normal growing season, this is the risk for the farmer. He faces the weather every year, and sometimes it bites him. But if he produces spring barley or winter barley, and it produces X tonnes per acre, and he gets £140 a tonne for it, that is a profit. And that's why he does a percentage of the crop. If the crop fails and he doesn't get that many tonnes, or it's all been rejected for uh, being too thin or something, then the person he sold it to has got to supply that stuff to the molster. The molster doesn't turn around and say, it's okay, Andrew, we'll let you off. They go, where's my barley? Yeah. And if it costs you 180 to buy it, that's the replacement cost. That's a default. It's £40 a tonne replacement, isn't right? it? Default so yeah. this, is, this is the year when the boot is on the other foot. So last mm. year, the misery of that occurred. This year, is mm. the opposite. The forward prices were, let's say, 160. And the current market is now 130. Yeah. Um, and there is stuff being rejected. Now, in my book, this is, this is controversial, and 
Some members of the trade do not do this. Other people, I think there's a fairness aspect to this. Mm. If you are going to be defaulted one year, and then the next year the market has dropped through the floor and you've got a great forward contract price, it is my belief that, yep, yeah, okay, if it's been rejected because it's feed, you get a feed barley price for it, 113x yeah. farm. Yeah. But the person who you've sold it to is able to replace that barley at £30 cheaper. And we, as a business, refund that £30. Mm. And I, I firmly believe the strength of the argument should come from the farmer. There are, there are merchants out there who do not do this. It's the, the, therefore, the motivation to find skinning or pre-germ or splits or something this year, it's very, very easy to find them if you really want to be... Uh, a close observer of every single sample and really get in there, yep, it's rejectable. Mm. Fine. Reject it. Yeah. But don't put the money in your pocket and earn the trade, the reputation of being Dick Turpin. I can't understand why a farmer hasn't had the, the courage or hasn't gone up and reasoned and said, look, hang on a minute, this happened last year, this is happening this year, that's not fair. A bit controversial, chaps. I'm sorry if that offends some people, but it, it is fair. Fair's fair. And I think we all need to try and work a lot closer together in the next decade to, to kind of get through this. Right, OK. Before we hit the beer, Webby, I think, actually, we need a little... little uh, this podcast, the, the intention was to give people a direction about which way to go. And we've, we've got to the end of harvest. The stores are full, really full, which mm. is great, you know. Yeah big tender of, of wheat as far as we're concerned I'm quite happy to admit that it's obvious to everybody um, the list of storekeepers coming out for futures will be bigger uh, we be. expect yeah you'd hope yeah they've taken the rates uh, requirement off it and therefore more stores are, are applying I think um, so that'll be interesting that could be bearish but um, no the real issue for me at this point is every day this week I've come in and I said right guys how are we gonna how are we gonna make money and I I, I like to have a direction and I, and I can't see a clear path. It's very muddied waters at the moment, isn't it? It's uh, well, if you, I mean, obviously the politics is the dominant factor, and because we don't have a real clue about what happens next, you can't do anything. No, I mean we've just seen it with sterling. It's not all about currency, although it's significant. But has no idea. God knows what the currency traders are, are thinking about this. Although in effect, we are trading currency in our data at the moment is well, yeah, the most significant factor. If export goes away, we won't be that won't be relevant, will it? It'll be tariffs, I guess, we're trading. But yeah. the, the the actual dynamic of the crop, it's big enough to have a surplus. There is definitely a good two million tonnes of wheat that has been overproduced, if you like, for UK consumption. Yeah. And the best estimate of export is something like three quarters of a million tonnes up to the end of October, which is really fantastic effort by the grain trade. Is that all executable? I mean, that's hell of a lot well, to this, get this out. This is where if the farmers and the merchants work together, they probably could squeeze it to a million. And the more you get out of the country, the less there is left over at the end. But yeah. the farmer is not convenient in September or October to do stuff because they're busy. They have farmers have gone to ground at the moment. Which I is mean, fine. the farmer retention, it, it naturally happens this year. Maybe there might be a bit of sort of short-term um, difficulty in buying wheat. Maybe should the grain trader not bother to do the export? The export helps the farmer, really, doesn't it, bluntly? Yeah, but if they aren't going to be supported by the farmer, should they have just said, do you know what, let's not bother. No one's coming at us, we let's don't just care wait, let's just sit and wait. We know full well nothing about the country. 
I'll invest in some storage because they're going to need it because there isn't enough space to take all the stuff they've got. Because they'll have a crop next year and wonder why their shed's still full. You know, that, there's, there's, no one talks to each other about this, do they? It's, it's uh, yeah, yeah, I see that. It's but, quite bleak, but well, it yeah. isn't bleak because because all of the major firms are crying out to buy wheat like crazy. Uh, we've done a wheat boat for for October, yeah. and what we're going to do if we haven't bought the October wheat is we're going to move our November wheat early mm. if we can persuade farmers to move it a month early and get paid a month early graciously. Because logistically, November is going to be a real problem moving the book we've got for November. Yeah, and we can't be alone with that. No, I think I would have thought a lot of the trader in the same boat with that, mm. so to say. But direction, back to direction, which way, you know, this, this market, I, can't, I cannot at the moment see any direction that I can safely trade because of the politics. Mm. I, I guess it's bearish, but I'm not prepared to sell it when the whole world is trying to buy October and September wheat. So I'm going to sit here on my hands and if I find some spot wheat and I make a profit out of it, I'll do it. But bidding on farm, there is not thruppence in, in, in trading, is there? And here's a stifle trade. I, I can't see how we resolve this until we get through our political mess. Mm. But is that going to be six, eight weeks? Is this three months? I'm so bored with Brexit dominating yeah. everything. I, I, you know, anyway... But the, other, the biggest dilemma I have, one year ago, we were telling everyone to sell new crop. And you can listen back and I can say we were right. You know, it's really nice to be right. I can prove to Tess I was right once. Um, <laughs> Just once. <laughs> yeah. But this, you know, you've got 140 pounds a tonne on the, on the 143, 42 mm. pounds on the NOV, 20 futures. So it's, it's kind of mid-30s X farm. 140 X farm for May. Yeah. 41, 42 X for May 21. Now that... Depending it's a good on price. It's not bad. Well, should we be saying sell it? It's a classic lock in a profit type well, thing for a farmer. For a farmer, it's not our risk, is it? It's no. their risk. So, you, yeah. so as a grown up, you should say, "Yep, guys, I've got no idea what's going to happen next. I really have not got a clue." And there is a price that beats your cost of production, assuming mm. the weather is kind. Sell it. Mm. Do you know what I have a real problem with? Just the way this autumn is stacking up. You, you haven't got the seed treatments. You've got everybody delaying their planting, which is great. But you aren't, it's going to be harder to get all of it in in, a, in the period they're aiming at. Yeah. And, and lack of soil moisture. Well, either the weather breaks and they can't get on and do it, mm. or it simply doesn't rain. And if you really look at the very long-term forecast, I was looking at one yesterday of what's going to keep coming across the Atlantic and the way it's working... In the, in the higher atmosphere and, and, you know, what's happening over the Arctic and stuff like that, it looks like we're going to have a very prolonged dry period well into October. And that is going to be, to, to me as a, an old, you know, old school trader, half, no, a quarter of the crop's potential at least is determined by that, that planting period, mm. going in the ground in good condition and getting away well. Yes, you've got to avoid the aphids to avoid, the, you know, the yeah. various viruses, but... As an instinctive trader, even with the risk of Brexit ruining our export potential, I would say it's You're not a friendly to it, aren't you? Yeah, but yeah. It, but it's really really bad advice in the context of it is above the cost of production yeah. at 140 pounds a ton. So I'm really sorry, everybody, but I'm completely clueless about what you should do with. 2020 harvest. I'm sure lots oh. of uh, very informed people who work for other companies will be saying, oh, you need to do this. But bluntly, if they've got that firm an opinion, 
it is because they flipped a coin and said, let's tell them that, and they'll believe it. So, uh, yeah, we're happy to book stuff up, but I, I'm, I'm not happy to own the advice. If you, if you consider the world weather events as well, we have had a more erratic climate, haven't we? Let's, let's open the beer up, Webby, because we're all fed up now, aren't we? What have we got, by the way? Nel- Nelson something or other. So <laughs> Webby just poured some on his leg. Woodford's Nelson's... Uh, was this the old Nelson's Revenge? I don't know. No, it's a Nelson's Bitter. But it is, a, it is a Woodford, so it's... Uh, well, we'll have to wait about six hours for the head to go away, so we'll oh. just talk, talk amongst ourselves. Well, you, uh, well, you can fill us in with the USDA while we, while we while away the hours watching the beer get ready. I've, um, this is an awful thing to admit, being a trader, but I uh, was in the office, looked at the numbers when it came out, saw the report, bang, it did its thing. It went up. I've got to say, I haven't really analysed what came out in the numbers, but it was it went bullish... Bullish beans. Um, the no- actually, I think the numbers from conversations were slightly bearish for wheat and corn, yeah, they but were. probably not bearish enough for the trade to to want to sell it. Well, it, instantaneously it went down after the, straight afterwards. It was six down on wheat and six yeah. down on beans, and um, all of the funds with their short positions were were laughing. I think that's the thing with with the funds being as short as they are. They thought, ah, here's our profit. Uh, yeah. And yeah, a bit of short covering and bang, up it's... It closed six up, didn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. So a, a classic USDA where they've been anticipating mm. it being bearish, mm. so much so they've sold it down to a point that's contract low, mm. so it's actually gone below the point where it's going to get to if they got the report in the first place and said, oh, we better sell it. In other words, is there much downside? Mm, last night made you feel like we're getting towards the bottom end of that range with the States. Yeah. Still a lot that can happen. We don't again. We talked about the question marks over the uh, the soybean crop and the corn crop. But look, a week and a half ago, there were people talking about the London futures being in the teens. Yeah. Uh, that was on the Monday and on I'll the put Tuesday. My up to that as well. Yeah, yeah, and it bounced. It bounced, and it doesn't feel like it's going to go to the teens now, does it? No. Now maybe if there's a massive nov tender, um, if there's a massive nov tender, then maybe the, the market will be pressured, and people who don't really want to own that stock. But it just does not feel like it is going to go down in the UK, and it does not look like that the states has got the stomach to go much further either. I can't no, imagine no, the funds yeah. shorting it much more. No, not from the positions that they've got. I mean, it needs another big, strong bit of information. And the information last night wasn't enough for them, really. didn't um, keep them satisfied, hence the buying interest. Mm. Um, Beans, actually, was the really exciting one. It's a pre-report. And I thought it was just a bit of pre-report book squaring, but there was um, a what's it went up twenty cents a bushel, mm. and that actually had nothing to do with the report. Um, although it finished twenty-eight up, it was down to the Chinese or China Trump trade war, um, and there's a there was a report coming out saying that they're going to buy five million ton of U.S. origin beans. So, bang, that was the the big news we'd all been waiting for. And I should have mentioned that in the market report bit about um, rapeseed. You know, that's a good bit of positive news for rapeseed, really. Yeah. So, rate to go up, like you predicted. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Great trade. Soybeans, soy, soybeans had been the uh, the thorn in the side of rapeseed, but it'd be nice to see that thorn disappear. All right, now let's trace this beer. So what, what do we I've, I've already got halfway through mine. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the old Nelson's Revenge. It's been branded up differently. I mean, after we've had this, should we pop down to the um, Rising Sun? 
Well, there's a little bit of a crowd gathering on a, on a gang gone out on a boat today. boat trip. Two boats, in fact. This is uh, this is some of our some of our previous guests and some of our friends who are on a lads get together, meeting at Roxham, going to Horning, having a bacon sandwich, and then riding the river, which will take three hours of mind-numbingly slow travelling. I, I know the broad should be wonderful for everyone in Norfolk, but if you go on one of those boats, you're not allowed to like steam through it like James Bond on one of those fan boat things. They're pretty today. Aren't yeah, it's like... Uh, but the uh, there's quite a bit of booze consumed. Joseph sent me a little uh, picture this morning before I'd even... Started recording in this suit. It'd have been about nine o'clock with a with a can of punk IPA in his hand. Yeah, we know where they're going to lunch, don't we? Mm. Be a very highbrow conversation on that boat. I think I'm, I'm really tempted to, to be actually sitting on the riverbank at Beela because I know they've got to go past there. Just sort of sit there with a couple of cans or something, and then and as they go past, let them go. You know, spot us, <laughs> and then say, "Oh, blimey, we've been caught." This is what we do every Friday. We go for a little, you know, little, little escape from the office and go down the pub or drink drink beer out of yeah. paper bags. Anyway, one more thing before we go: Norfolk dinner. Yeah, anyone from the grain trade? We're now uh, in the process of getting the tables sorted out for that. We've mentioned that it's going to change venue. The Norfolk dinner is one of those. It's, the, it's a really important dinner, and it should be it should be better looked after than it has been. Uh, with all due respect to previous guys running it, you know Julian last year picked it up, and I think that we're by change of venue, moving out from the hotel with the Christmas decorations up into a really funky place in the middle of Norwich. We're going to put lots of effort into it. Uh, we're very proud of our dinner, and more importantly, it is the first opportunity people really get after Christmas to get together, and and it's a quite a decisive time of the year where things start to change. I'm quite excited about it. I think to mix it up would be something new is always great, isn't it? It's, an, it's a cracking venue. I yeah, mean, we, people need to come to this one to suss it out and go, actually, that's a dinner worth going to. So mm. we're, we're going to plug this, I appreciate, but it is it is the Norfolk Institute of Agricultural Merchants dinner. And just for the farmers listening, the, so the dinner is for, yeah, it's for merchants, yeah. of which probably 75% aren't from Norwich, I'd say, or Norfolk. There's a lot of national traders who've several... Yeah. are listening hopefully it's a dinner that people should be considering probably it'll snow like crazy <laughs> but hey we want you to come to the dinner so just put that on your calendar third thursday in january right thank you for listening see ya thanks for listening make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released Dew and grain are independent and local grain traders from seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 